Radhika Jones, Editor-in-Chief of Vanity Fair. If you enjoy binge-watching the best TV shows and love hearing from the actors and showrunners who make them happen, then subscribe to Vanity Fair. Our Hollywood reporters take you behind the scenes of the year's most anticipated projects, the industry's biggest moves, and the hardest-fought awards races. From The Crown to The Real Housewives, we've got the inside scoop. As a special thank you to our still-watching audience, we're offering 15% off a yearly digital subscription to Vanity Fair. Visit VanityFair.com today and use promo code POD15. That's VanityFair.com, promo code POD15, for 15% off a yearly digital subscription to everything you want. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Vanity Fair. Look again. I'm fine, Lilibet. Bouncing back on the way up. Not on the way out. Hello and welcome to Still Watching, a television podcast from Vanity Fair. I'm Richard Lawson. I'm Chris Murphy. And I'm Hilary Busis. We are here to discuss the eighth episode of season six of the Netflix series The Crown. This episode is called Ritz. I say the Ritz. It's where all the most elegant people go and it's some cheese and Worcester. Good plan. The Ritz it is. And later on, Leslie Manville, who excellently plays Princess Margaret, will be joining us to talk about the incredible portrayal of the final years of the princess's life. But let's do a a quick recap of the episode first. Uh, We start by jumping back in time to VE Day, uh, where young Princess Margaret and Princess Elizabeth have snuck off to the Ritz. Leave her. Look how happy she is. In the show's present tense, Margaret suffers a stroke and her health gradually declines. Oh, a bit of a shock. One minute I'm in full flow at the Lawrence's, and the next minute I'm in an air ambulance, unable to feel my arms and legs. Queen Elizabeth struggles with the thought of losing her only sister. But Margaret has been my ally, day in, day out. My lifelong companion and support. And in the end, we say goodbye to our beloved Princess Margaret. Aren't you coming? We can join Mummy and Papa for breakfast. I'm afraid not. But I will always be by your side. Uh, well, we did want to see Princess Margaret again. I know. I cost? kind of knew this was coming because it was like, at this point in her life, that's basically the biggest thing left. Yeah. You but know, it, is her horrible slow death. Oh, God. It I is wasn't tough prepared. to watch, yeah. Uh, at what cost? I mean, Leslie Manville, we need to just say at the top of this, is so great. Incredible. She's incredible. Episode. You can't yeah. do an episode like this if you don't have somebody of Leslie Manville's caliber. Yeah, just uh, her her voice and, like, even just, like, a- acting out, like, Margaret's, like, gradual, yeah. 
Oh, it's absolutely And to do the sort of like the post-stroke, you know, her, her numbness in her face, mm-hmm. the body, without it seeming like a horrid sort it's of not, imitation of it somebody. It seems really natural, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's really well done. And also horrifying because like maybe everyone has this fear, but like some, some stuff involving strokes like really, really freaks me out. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it's just because it's like the silent killer or whatever. Like, Well, and it's so you know, sudden. And it's yeah. so yeah. sudden. toast, but then what if you don't smell, you know, right. you don't it's, know. Yeah, it seems awful. Should we just talk about our own mortality yeah. for the rest? <laughs> Of the episode, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, it was it was a great acting showcase for Manville, and I thought Princess Margaret was, from what I'm aware, not the best person, not a nice lady. But for the purposes of the show, I did think that the scenes between Imelda Staunton and Leslie Manville were nice and sad because it's like, wow, that probably is the only remaining person who really understands mm-hmm. Elizabeth before she was Elizabeth. That said. We got to talk about this flashback thing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I have so many many questions, and I'm sure you do too. The, the, like, correct me if I'm wrong. The great secret Uh of Elizabeth's life is that once she danced in a room with a black man. Yeah, she did the jitterbug, which was illegal back then. (laughs) She did the jitterbug. That's the whole thing. I, I thought she was going to like fuck somebody. I like, thought in Margaret public. was like, going thought, to like, walk in on her, on her knees, <laughs> right, like in an orgy or something. It and it was like, so I once sense. danced with a black <laughs> fellow, and you're like, this was the whole thing. This the is what whole... she can't possibly have come out at her at her big dinner. God forbid anybody heard that. I mean, we do have to. I mean, that framing device, that club <laughs> that they go to, the, the downstairs mm-hmm. when she follows the nice black soldier yeah. at the Ritz. We didn't hear the song put on the Ritz once, but that's okay. But we go down stairs and then we're transported into like great Gatsby Baz Luhrmann era <laughs> club yeah. style meets fellow travelers like gay club down here is the place to be and why is that? because down here there's no rank or background just music I saw two guys kissing uh-huh. in the background really? yeah so oh. I was like I don't it feels anachronistic to me. In 1945, to In 1945, just like out there, out yeah. around a bunch of soldiers, two soldiers. Mm. I think I saw some people in drag. I mean, and again, but yeah, I, like, there's never any homosexuals in the military. Well, <laughs> that no. just famously never not. happened. Not in the British, not in the British military. <laughs> but I was just like, I get what we're trying to do here, and I'm sure we want it. Was zhuzh up this the night out on the town that Lizzie and Margaret really did have. They really did go out. But I was like, this is a bridge too far. <laughs> yeah, I I just think that. They, it was a lot of buildup to something that actually in in ending was borderline offensive, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I just that don't think it needed so it. she would be so worried that anybody could ever learn this about right. her in it, the year 2001. Yeah, it's just, it's bizarre. And I also think that, like, maybe this was de- deliberate, meta, meta-contextual, meta-textual, but, like— how did the episode about Margaret dying become an Elizabeth episode? Yeah. That doesn't seem right. It like, does. It feels Marsha, yeah, Marsha, Marsha. It does. Yeah. Like, shouldn't it be Margaret's flashback to a happy time or a wild time or whatever? And she definitely had those times. Right. I would love... She did not just dance with a black man. Right. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm right, sure. right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> to put it... <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, I just... I don't know. It felt It felt kind of telling in a way that, that Elizabeth should kind of co-opt this Margaret's final episode on this show ever. And there's nothing else... And I'm, I say this with love. I got... A Again, irrationally angry at Lizzie. Again, this episode, there's no more story to tell there for me, really. There's no more. There's nothing, at least yeah. where we are right now. I 
I'm done. I'm. I don't. It's just see, her and the dogs, and it's her and the dogs, yeah. and Prince Philip is a little distant, and she's mother courage for Britain, mm-hmm. and like Margaret was actually, you know, her series of traumatic events and like going to Mystique, which is an island I had I've never ever once heard of. I thought I knew every oh, rich a, place. I thought yeah. I thought I knew, Hamptons, Stad. Yeah. You know, they know rich places Saint that Bart's. the rest of us have never, never heard conceived. of. Could not even imagine. I was like, this must be a typo. <laughs> Google. Real place. Real place. Mick Jagger has a house there. Okay. Never had heard of it. I thought I knew everything. But to then sort of, again, shoehorn Lizzie's coming of age narrative. But you're, and for you're right. The show, I, think, I think that the show has to make a real effort to give the queen something to do at this point in the narrative. Yeah. We're and, really grasping at straws. <laughs> you know, like. I mean, they, they, they cast a great Claire Foy lookalike. Yeah. That was, she was not Claire Foy because she was too young. She, was strikingly similar, though. Yes. It, yeah, it was. She was an exact copy. Yeah, it, it was kind of amazing. I mean, I I like the sort of th- episodes where they go back in time, and I, I I do sort of miss that era of the show, the sort of mid-century feel of it. Um, but yeah, the the Elizabeth thing is is difficult. Uh, I, I also think that like shoehorning in nine eleven. <laughs> I was like, like a- I know the Crown had to cover it, but like in this way, yeah. I mean, I guess like you're. You're a British royal. Like, what does it really mean to you? Is it really going to, like, it's going right. to not, it's going to be a footnote. It's not going to be the subject. Yeah. yeah. Not need a yeah. 9-11 episode of The Crown. That is <laughs> not, what, not what anybody needs. But it did. In the annals of secret 9-11, uh, secret 9-11 media, it doesn't hold a candle to remember me. <laughs> no, but exactly. nothing ever will. Exactly. It definitely doesn't. We don't know how this show ends, Hillary. <laughs> it could. <laughs> Could, could surprise us. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, this one, I think... Margaret's like, I'm getting on my flight. <laughs> Number 93. God, Margaret. <laughs> Let's roll. That was Margaret who said that. <laughs> but it is yeah. crazy that Porchy did die on 9-11. That is crazy. Yeah. That was that that's was a wild. weird coincidence. That is a weird coincidence. Yeah, yeah that's true. That's true. Um, I think that this episode was necessary, but I think after the thrill to be perfectly honest, of of the last episode with William and Kate in college, whatever, I, I was a bit like, all oh, right, these, you know, this again, mm-hmm. um, which is one of the problems the show, I guess, is going to face in, in in its remaining episodes, where it's like their story that I care about, which is mostly the younger people at this point, but that's not what the show Much is. Much like the people of Britain, well, exactly, They're like these yeah. guys still, yeah, yeah. So I wonder, like, what awaits Elizabeth next, because. We only have a couple episodes left, yeah. and we, we, I don't think we can afford to uh, diverge from William and Kate. <laughs> yeah, right, more, right. you know, but more I mean, it's, in the it's last good. It's good that we get a last chance to spend with Margaret yeah, to really give is. like Leslie Manville some like real like stuff to chew. You know, her saying like I'd rather die than exercise. Like there's some there's some good quipping in there. I'm still alive, like some other men do. Get out you know, watching the staff pouring out all of her whiskey. Very fun. This, the, when she finds the cigarette in her coat and yeah. it's basically is sent into some sort of reverie of ecstasy. <laughs> like that was, I mean, again, Leslie Manville, incredible throughout this episode. Yeah. Uh, makes me never want to touch a drink or a cigarette ever again. <laughs> but yeah, horrifying, horrifyingly convincing, I will yeah. say. Mrs. Yeah. Mrs. Harris went to Paris in the, she, in the end. Yeah, she, yeah, she, she the great big Paris in the sky. <laughs> That she did. But, like, um, and it's nice to see her, you know, she doesn't, 
she's she's sad. Obviously, she's depressed. She doesn't want to die. But, you know, she has her spark, like, through the end, mm-hmm. which is also, you know, yeah. sort of a, it's a good way to send the character out. And I, I love the grace note at the end also of the, the song over the credits with uh, Vanessa Kirby and Jared Harris singing from oh. season one of the show. That was mm-hmm. them singing Bewitched. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is, Wilder. yeah, they, they sing it right before uh, King George dies. Couldn't sleep and wouldn't sleep. When love came and told me I shouldn't sleep Bewitched, bothered and bewildered Am I? Wow. And so that's like a nice callback that to kind nice of, callback. you know, remember of, uh, remind us of how far we've come. Yeah, yeah, and, and look, in the context of this show, let's, the real Margaret aside, like, there is something where, like, yes, she did. She died relatively young, considering how old the rest of her relatives lives to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but she really did enjoy her life. Yeah. yeah, she went to a lot of parties. She dated interesting men. She had drinks. She went dancing, whatever. And it is she ate chocolate in bed. Yeah, I mean, yeah. she was Harry. You know, yeah. like she, she really was, was having she was having fun. Um, Except because you yeah. know she's a woman, and because it's the mid century, she can't escape. No, well, exactly. yeah, and that's yeah. kind of and that's the tragedy of Margaret. And that's the tragedy of Margaret. And that's why I was again irrationally angry at Queen Elizabeth because if we remember the episode in season five, Margaret's episode, she was like, "You wouldn't let me marry the man of my dreams, mm-hmm. and look at what has become of me." Yeah. And so while who we also see in that flashback, who we see in the flashback, and while the poignant reminder. That, like, Elizabeth kind of ruined her life. Elizabeth kind of ruined her life. And then we're sort of framing the narrative about how sad Elizabeth is going to be once Margaret is gone. And, Mm. like, that kind of felt... That annoyed me. It stuck in my craw. Yeah. I mean, it's like, really, this should be about Margaret. and, And it is about Margaret, but it was about how Margaret affects Elizabeth. And then we have, like, the flashback scenes where... Elizabeth is like, you can dance, you can jive, having the time of your life, dancing. She's literally dancing queen. (laughs) (laughs) And I would have rather spent more time, I don't know. Whatever the flashback was supposed to illustrate, I think uh, it was unsuccessful in doing so. It was unsuccessful in doing so, and we let Elizabeth off the hook, I think, a little bit too much for me. I I think there's a fun sort of project of watching this show, which is like, because each episode roughly covers like, an event or an era or whatever of like, okay, what's there in on this one? You know, like in episode seven, when it opens with a girl in a clothing store, I was like, well, what's all this then? Where's this going? Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that sometimes those attempts to like access the story from an interesting angle are successful as they were in episode seven. Mm -hmm. In this episode, it's like, I get what they're trying to do. They're trying to like give it, like give a broader thing to sort of watch as entertainment beyond a woman wasting away from a series of strokes. Yeah. And to to make the end of her life more poignant by showing it at the beginning of it as well. But I just feel like it's almost sort of undermining the show because it's like, we already have a season or two worth of Vanessa Kirby, who was amazing. And, and there's a great Helena Bonham Carter episode. And, you know, Mm -hmm. like I, I don't know. I just I didn't feel like inventing a new thing or I mean, not inventing, but, you know, incorporating a new memory was really the right tack to take unless it was going to be something about Margaret. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I would have maybe just rather have seen like their relationship as adults, which you don't really get that much of right. in the last yeah. couple of seasons. Right. Like you could even go back in time with the same actors and like it's it's the mid 90s. And right. like, like what know. did Margaret think of Diana? Right. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I just I think that that would have been the better route, especially when no offense to the younger actresses who were both great. But like you have Leslie Manville and Imelda Staunton like waiting to like act and they do. But like it could be more. There could be more. It, it could be more. Yeah. And it is, as you said, it's hard to believe that the memory that she 
clung to the most ever of all time was, <laughs> was one time that she saw her sister dancing do the at the Ritz. Park. Although, wow, the Ritz gets a lot of bad press this season. I <laughs> if I was the Ritz, I would not be happy with the that crowd. That is true. <laughs> Still Watching will be back in just a moment when we return a conversation with Leslie Manville on saying goodbye to Princess Margaret. And if you are watching this video, either I'm dead or I'm in a very, very, very bad situation. She said, oh my God, I can hear gunshots. I can hear men outside. Where are they? What have they done to them? Are they dead? Are they not dead? There is one suspect, her father, the sheikh. It's Madeline Barron from In the Dark. We've teamed up with our new colleague, Heidi Blake, at The New Yorker to try to answer a question about one of the richest men in the world, the ruler of Dubai. Why do the women in Sheikh Mohammed's family keep trying to run away? There is five policemen outside and two policewomen inside the house. So basically, I'm a hostage. And he reminded me that Sheikh Mohammed can get me anywhere. Because you're a rich and powerful person, you can effectively break any law you want in our country and get away with it. The Runaway Princesses is available now. Follow In the Dark wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You can earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Based on our conversations, I don't think it's a surprise to say that we're special fans of Princess Margaret. We've loved over the past six seasons uh, just seeing her various incarnations. Uh, But unfortunately, every party must come to an end. Yes, I caught up with Leslie Manville to discuss her time on The Crown, mastering the final days of Margaret, and her friendship with Imelda Staunton. Enjoy the conversation. (laughs) Hi, Leslie. Thanks so much for coming on to the podcast. You're welcome. We sort of knew this episode eventually had to come, given the arc of Princess Margaret's life, and yet... It was so emotionally devastating. So I'd love to know sort of, you know, you've now played this character for two seasons. What was it like when the script came your way? Were you emotionally prepared to say goodbye to Princess Margaret in this way, knowing her life story? Well, I mean, I knew that season six was going to deal with her death. But I mean, I wasn't quite sure how Peter Morgan would decide to deal with it. I mean, you could just say... Margaret's dead and, you know, quick shot of her funeral and that would be it. But (laughs) no, what I was thrilled, I mean, really thrilled when I saw what he had uh, and the team had written because it's a very beautiful examination of the sisters and their relationship and their huge love for each other. I mean, they they were the probably the biggest loves of each other's lives, I think, apart Mm. from maybe God for the queen, because she was a woman of great faith. And of course, she had her husband, Philip. But, you know, her and Margaret, of course, had this extraordinary history together and were suddenly, when 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 they were both young, pushed into this life that n- neither of them expected, you know. Mm. Elizabeth never expected to be queen. And um, it made their lives drift 
in very different directions. But what a beautiful episode examining two very loving siblings uh, dealing with saying goodbye to each other. It's a beautiful episode. And, you know, and I've really enjoyed playing Margaret over this time of her life when she was quite lonely. She Mm -hmm. was kind of... uh, didn't have a lot to do you know she was <laughs> yeah. she she didn't always have a full diary she mm-hmm. was still trying to you know have the life that she used to have and going to mustique and partying and but of course it's it's got a different feel to it because she's not she's not in a relationship um mm-hmm. and so the, the 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 loneliness and the kind of lost nature of her life is very prevalent throughout the final series, but obviously, this episode is is what encapsulates the whole thing so so well. I have to say, I love what you just said um, about Elizabeth and Margaret sort of being the true loves of each other's lives in a way, um, because you sort of over the course of the crown, that is sort of the central story, or you know, the their relationship is so fundamental and so baked in to the series over, you know, from season one, from Vanessa Kirby's iteration to Helena Bonham mm. Carter's, all the way through yours. How did you prepare to, to to take on Margaret? Like once you were, you know, once it came your way, did you go back to yeah. watch these other iterations? Or Yes, of course. I mean, I'd watch the series anyway. Um, <laughs> well, I had a lot of time. I, I, I was offered the part almost, it feels like almost two years before we started shooting. Oh, wow. So, um, I went back and uh, watched all of that. I just read lots of books, you know, because although at the end of the day you're doing a drama and who knows what direction that drama's going to take, it's very interesting when you've got the luxury of time to read all the books that were available. And, you know, Mm -hmm. some of them are very factual, quite dry and quite a difficult read, I think. But then others are very funny, you know, Anglen Connor looking, who was her great friend, Margaret's friend, looking back on their life together. And that's a very humorous, easy read. And so I just read all the books and then you kind of let that go in and do its job, you know, almost by osmosis. Um, but then you you sort of have to forget about all of that because then you're doing the scripts that are on the page that are dramatised, you know, they're Mm -hmm. not documentary. The great beauty of The Crown, I think, is that it can depict scenes that we really don't know how the royal family are having Mm -hmm. breakfast or having an argument or we've got no idea. All we have is this kind of highly polished public image. So the series is fascinating in that way because, of course, you know, they're human beings that feel the same things that you and I feel and go yeah. through the same trauma and emotion. And it was great to sort of be able to present that human side of her. But, of course, I watched the series and watched what hmm. Vanessa and Helena had done. But, and of course, in no way that's the beauty of having three different casts. You know, yeah. you're doing your version of Margaret, but had such great predecessors Um doing i mean just wonderful work so it was just it was just great to watch that and think right i'm how brilliant i'm going to pick up the baton and take over yeah you do so so brilliantly and i mean i personally i princess margaret has always been sort of my way into the show just because she's so full of life she has such joie de vivre so this episode yeah. 
is so tough to watch Princess Margaret basically deteriorate in real time over the course of the episode. And your physicality and the way, I mean, it's so expertly rendered and nuanced and heartbreaking. I would love to know, how did you sort of approach that and sort of mark that sort of slow transition of being, you know, in Mystique, she's got a drink, she's telling a a hilarious story as like classic Princess Margaret. And then by the end of the episode, she's more or less incapacitated. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was quite tough to think, right, I've got to do three strokes in one hour and they've got to get progressively worse and affect her more each time. Um, Well, I did go and meet some stroke victims I mean, I've known some stroke victims in my life, but not kind of scrutinized it in the way that I I wanted to. And it was surprising how, you know, a minor stroke, which is what we're saying Margaret has in the beginning, Mm -hmm. you know, the recovery can be quite speedy and, you know, you're not, you might have the slight, you know, droopy mouth and lisping a bit, but it's not really you're back on your feet after a bit. Mm-hmm. But then I met some people that had, had had really big, damaging strokes. And it's the paralysis that's so difficult to, mm-hmm. to, to deal with. And of course, for Margaret, it's that she is this life force. So to her, to be incapacitated like that is is like having the life sucked out of her. And, of mm. course, she hates it and she's not allowed to do all the things that she likes to do, smoke and drink and eat chocolates. <laughs> and, you know, she's got to kind of pull herself together and get her act together. But as soon as she recovers from a stroke, that's it. She's on the plane off to Mastique again and mm. indulging in all the things that she shouldn't be. But I've found it a real privilege to play her at that time of her life because I think uh, when you know, and it is, we do know very well the kind of life that Margaret had, when you know that life that she's lived, to see her deteriorating and declining and being lonely, is it, it's mm. it really, it's a very nice thing for an actress to have to play because yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's challenging and that's what we want. I really am still just blown away by sort of, you know, your physicality of of embodying that transition. It's sort of uncanny the way that you're sort of transformed into into the role. Can you talk a little bit about sort of the, the, you know, you know, Margaret's physicality and clocking that as it deteriorated? Yeah, it's a it's a tricky one, really, because you don't want to give everything away. I want people Mm. to watch it and kind of just not see the joins, if you know what I mean. I don't want <laughs> yeah. them to think, oh, is that a prosthetic in her mouth? Is that a prosthetic ankle? And I mean, of course, there, there are lots of uh, lots of things that you, you need help with to mark that deterioration. I mean, the hardest thing for me really mm. was to get the arc of the episode in my head in terms of the deterioration. Mm. You know, after the first stroke, how much do we want to have her speech impaired and then what what about at the second stroke what how do you crank it up a bit to make it clear that it's a bit more serious and mm-hmm. you know so you, you work out all of those things with them with with extraordinary team of people i mean not not just the hair and makeup but also our dialect coaches who help me with the speech that 
post-stroke speech that people have. Um, mm-hmm. And the costumes, you know, I mean, we, we recreate that iconic sad image of her in the wheelchair with the dark glasses all the way around. And yeah. But the sad thing is, I remember reading about that uh, image and that time, and she she said that she wanted to be completely covered up because she didn't want she didn't want men seeing her uh, ill uh, and you just that's so that's so telling you know because she was this publicized iconic front page beauty for mm-hmm. so many decades you know she was the diana of the 50s yeah. and 60s you know it was her that was on the front covers all the time mm-hmm. and to have that taken away i mean not just by age because i think generally she aged well but yeah. to have it kind of ripped away by a stream of strokes that really do leave you physically very different she couldn't cope with that yeah i would love to know i guess so filming this episode you have so many incredible scenes with Imelda Staunton and you're both such you know storied amazing actresses of stage and screen but what was it like working with Imelda on on this episode and, and well it's it's Imelda and I are, are old friends and we are really really very fond of each other as mm. people and <laughs> uh so you know a lot of that stuff that we have to a lot of that love that we have to portray as Elizabeth and Margaret is kind of bubbling away underneath Anyway, you know, we get that for free because we happen to really like each other. Um, And, of course, there's a lot of mutual respect as well. You know, we both... We both think the other one's great. Um, (laughs) And and, and I think, you know, that was very special for us, seeing that episode together, which we did quite privately. Um, Mm. It was very special and will remain very special for us both as a one of the highlights really of the whole season i mean mm. obviously imelda has had a lot more relationships to portray in the series probably more more than margaret but i think that this one is particularly special for both of us mm. something that i i really appreciate it because this episode as you said it sort of covers you know three strokes it can be very dark you know it's very tough mm. and yet Princess Margaret uh, never lost her spark, never lost oh, her no, sense of humor. No, she was funny through it to the last, you Till know. the end. Uh, especially when she says, make sure the lid's on the coffee. <laughs> make sure I'm dead before yeah. you close the... I mean, it's so, yeah, classic Margaret sense of humor. Um, and that's her survival mechanism, really, you know. Her humor kept her kept her going. It's something that she always had. Um Having, you know, watched the show and we're doing this podcast, it's, we've delved in a little bit to, to other sort of Princess Margaret stories. One of my favorites is that she used to go to the opera and late and make everybody sort of wait for her to get there. And then everybody stands and applauds as she waltzes into the opera house. Are there any sort of either favorite Princess Margaret moments from the series that you loved acting or just Princess Margaret stories, you know, that are near and dear to your yeah, heart well, I mean, now? you hear a lot, I, because she was, involved in my world, my theatrical world, as it were. You know, she liked mm-hmm. a bit of showbiz <laughs> and she did move in those circles quite a bit, you know, because they were, they're generally a fun bunch to hang out with. So, yeah, I mean, I have heard lots of different stories about her from lots of different people. Um, and, you know, she could she could be really tricky. 
Mm. You know, she was great, but she could be really tricky. And you know, you <laughs> did hear about people not being able to leave the party until she left, and mm. people going, "Well, I've got the school run to do in the morning, and it's four a.m. You know, yeah. I've got to go." Um, but I, I, I guess she kind of. There's a bit of her that just thought you sh maybe should be grateful for being in my company. So don't mm. think about leaving until I've gone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, complex woman, g gorgeous, deliciously complex and funny and tortured and ultimately lonely. So, yeah, yeah. great, great woman to be able to play. Yeah. I mean, for an actress, just the best type of part to sink your teeth in for so long and to get to spend so much time, not just a movie, not just a two hour play, but sort yeah. of to chart this over, over, yeah. you know, decades. It's, it's great. It's a very unique series. I mean, it hasn't been done before that you, you tell a kind of decades long tale of one family and, uh, three sets of actors play them over this period of well, I think it's twelve years when it started, and the you know produce we have producers on this that have been on it all the way through, developing. I mean, it's a mammoth task, um, and you know, hugely one of the most successful series in the world, hugely, mm. hugely successful mm. for for Netflix because there, the word is that it's getting more viewers than ever. So. Mm. Uh, there's a fascination with these people. And I yeah. think one of the fascinations is all we can do is speculate on their private lives, you know, what 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 it's really like. And that's what the crown does. And it 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 adds so much juice to a family that of course we all kind of know from a distance. Yeah. Speaking of that, has playing Princess Margaret and has your experience on the crown shaped or changed the way that you feel about the actual royal family? Is that, how has that maybe shifted or changed or not? Uh, I don't think it has changed that much, although I do, I do realise perhaps a little more profoundly than I did before how immensely hard the Queen worked. I mean, that woman really put in the hours. She saw it as her God-given job. And she was not going to waver from it. Mm -hmm. You know, she hated being ill and not being able to work. So she'd always, more often than not, she'd plow. She'd plow through, even mm. through working through illness. You know, she was a really formidable woman who turned up and did the job. So you have to take your hat off to that. Yeah, I mean. Speaking of turning up and doing the job, you know, the crown was, you know, you were filming when the queen died. I have mm -hmm. to imagine, and then went on pause for a bit. But that's got to be sort of a weird meta moment when you're playing mm -hmm. the queen's sister. Well, in fact, the day she died, Imelda and I were filming scenes from that episode, our Margaret episode, if you like. Yeah. So, and of course, we uh, we knew that there was a, a problem because the news had announced that all the children had been called to her bedside and that it wasn't looking good. Um, <clears throat> but I think we, we managed to finish the scene and we, we wrapped about 4.30 and then, of course, and I remember getting home and watching um, it announced on the BBC News at around 6.30 that mm. she'd, she'd died, although I think 
the timeline's been um, clarified since then that she did actually die a couple of hours before that, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, Wow. Yeah, we got the announcement. So, of course, you know, we think it was very strange for Imelda, um, very difficult, and it coincided with her having, after that day, having 10 days off. So she was actually quite grateful for that, just fluke, really, that she had 10 days off. And through that period of mourning. And then we went back, work resumed, and we went to Mallorca to film the mustique segments of the episode. And uh, and that was when her funeral happened. So we all mm. obviously took, took the day off and just sat kind of catatonic in a room watching the funeral. Wow. And in everything, in every single thing that you touch or do, it's always phenomenal. But um, getting to spend so much time with you as Princess Margaret, I, it's just been such a joy as an audience member and to have this conversation. So Thank I'm you, just, Chris. That's really I'm, nice of you to say. Thank you. Yeah. Still watching, we'll be back in just a moment. And when we return, a quick pit stop at our time capsule. I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go. There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. But on Wildcard, we have ripped up the typical script. It's a new podcast from NPR where I invite actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to talk about some of life's biggest questions. Listen to Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts. Only from NPR. Okay, so we have reached our final segment, the time capsule. Um, Richard, what uh, stood out to you most from your childhood in 1945? What would you? <laughs> what well, rang I, you? I ran an underground uh, juke joint uh, <laughs> where people were often dancing various jitters and bugs. Um, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a totally heavy time capsule time capsule episode. I mean, the 9/11 stuff was, uh, but yeah, I, I guess like. It was interesting that the queen has Tupperware. <laughs> wow. What an eye <laughs> for detail. She is just like us. Wow. That, I didn't, that I didn't even, that I didn't clock that. Wow. <laughs> well, that's where she keeps the corgis. Thinking about that for a while longer. <laughs> yeah. I guess I was so distracted after the black soldier or the white soldier says, don't go down there. He's from Harlem, a ghetto in New York. <laughs> that's what I that was. Of, sort of got in my head. I sort of wasn't able to focus on the details after that. Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like it's also, you know, Margaret Margaret is dying in the early 2000s and like, she can't just like get the phone. She doesn't have a phone. She can't just like call for help. Right. No, That's no. like, a, yeah. I don't know, a reminder oh. of like the limitations of right. uh, previous technology in the not too distant past. You, uh, yeah, I'm shocked that a member of the royal family would be such a Luddite about <laughs> technology. Um, but yeah, I mean, so maybe maybe we put the time capsule aside and and we could talk more about favorite Margaret moments or yeah, I loved and this was became sort of sad over the course of this episode. And I guess I I can't really speak to the first couple of seasons as I have not watched them. But my favorite Margaret moment of the season sort of sad. We see Leslie Manville playing and singing the song that they heard from the basement, like sort of well at the beginning of the episode, and then she keeps sort of doing it, trying to get Lizzie to remember with her, which she refuses to do. Mm-hmm. And it gets more, it, it gets sort of more and more decrepit as her health declines. And mm-hmm. I just sort of like seeing that sort of, and as much as she loved music, she had that whole big speech in episode five about how she, music would, you know, the love of her, one true love of her life, and her saying that, 
she wanted the theme to Black Swan to play at her funeral. I liked all of Margaret's musical moments, and I, I clearly uh-huh. have to go back and see Vanessa Kirby sing "Bewitched, Bothered, Bewildered" because I love that standard from Pal Joey. It was yeah, they they perform it very movingly. Mm. It's very touching. Yeah, I mean, I think that Vanessa Kirby, as the first Margaret on the show, was made the most impression on me because she was in it a lot more. Mm. That first season is very much about that sisterhood in in a way. In addition to it being about Elizabeth becoming the queen. And I think the scene where Margaret kind of confronts Elizabeth about this marriage thing, uh, maybe that's season two, I don't remember, but um, is really good. Like, yeah. And I, I think all three of the actors who've played her have been great, but I think Vanessa Kirby really kind of set the mold for what this show's version of the character is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, Julie Miller, uh, who has been on the podcast uh before uh, did this really great collection of Princess Margaret moments uh, that we published on the website in 2017, and I just wanted to read one of them aloud, which is not depicted on the show, but I feel like it should have been. So Margaret obviously loved drinking, and she loved cigarettes, um, and she was so devoted to these two hobbies that she tried to combine them by gluing matchboxes onto her tumblers so that she could strike matches while she was drinking a whiskey. Wow. God, that's I mean, my that's, type of gal. That's commitment. And that's you can a broad... see now why she had so many strokes. Yeah, it yeah, does actually right. sort of make sense, but I, God, I would have liked to party with Margaret. Anyway, if you're craving more Margaret, we obviously, we, we have VF coverage yes. for sure. Well, with a final RIP, Princess Margaret, that is it for this episode of Still Watching. As ever, you can find me on social media at Rylaws, R-I-L-A-W-S. And you can find me on social media at Christress. And you can find me at Hillabuster. This has been Still Watching from Vanity Fair. Our producer is Emily Elias, and we had production help from Peyton Hayes. We had technical assistance from Gabe Quiroga, and this episode was mixed by Jake Loomis. Stephen Valentino is our executive producer, and our theme music is by Alexis Quadrado. Next up in your feed, episode nine of The Crown. See you there. Hi, I'm Jeremy Larson, the review's director of Pitchfork, and this podcast is supported by Pitchfork Music Festival. Pitchfork Music Festival will take place July 19th through the 21st at Union Park in Chicago, Illinois. This year's lineup features Jamie XX, Alanis Morissette, Black Pumas, Carly Rae Jepsen, Brittany Howard, Jay Paul, Muna, Jesse Ware, 100 Gex, and many more. The festival also features diverse vendors as well as specialty record, poster, and craft fairs and works to support local businesses while promoting the Chicago arts and food communities as a whole. For more information on tickets and lineup, visit pitchforkmusicfestival.com.